0: Welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. On our show today is Parminder Veer. Parminder joins us today to share her insights from the Women in Leadership Conference and from her life experiences. Thank you so much for joining us. Such a pleasure, Maureen. Thank you for inviting me. For you, what's the state of women's leadership in the world today, especially in the rise of the digital age?
1: I was born in India, in Punjab. I lived and have grown up really all my adult life in the UK and I've traveled the world making films and most recently, as you mentioned, living and working in Lagos. The engagement, the involvement, the participation of women in the economies and in social life and cultural life of any country anywhere in the world is fundamentally important, yeah? And we know that when women are part of the workforce, um, part of the entire society, economically, those countries thrive and they grow. Yes, you know, as women, there's a constant struggle, no matter what culture you are, no matter what part of the world, the developed economies or the so-called developing economies, the challenges that women face are virtually the same, right? And, you know, they are institutional challenges. They are cultural challenges in terms of being able to take our place both in the home and the custodians of cultures, but also in the workplace. Irrespective of country or national origin
0: and culture, we're all grappling with fairly similar struggles or challenges or opportunities.
1: I think we're grappling but also we are um forging and pioneering the why women need to be integrated into society as a whole. Wherever we are in the world we represent fifty percent of the population. To leave fifty percent of the population anywhere in the world behind just doesn't make business sense, it doesn't make social sense, it doesn't make cultural sense. Countries that integrate women throughout roles in
0: society tend to evolve more quickly and be more productive. Certainly
1: there are some countries in Europe, particularly Sweden, right? um, where they've institutionalized the solution of integration in terms of you know their policies and practices. So there are examples of fantastic good practice that we can look to where we know when women are in leadership roles from CEO to middle management roles, um, those companies do really phenomenally well, yeah? We know that, you know, when women are sitting at the boards of of the companies and, and also public sector organization, the nature and the quality of the conversation is very, very different. I know that from experience having sat on many boards where I was often not just the only woman, but always also the woman of color on a board. And observing how you can change the conversation and begin to open the mindsets of the men who think it's their birthright to make the kinds of decisions on behalf of women. Also, as a mother of two young daughters, a 30-year-old and a 26-year-old, I see how they are forging their way in society as very strong, independently self-directed women.
0: Embedded in this question was the state of women, especially in the rise of the digital age. Is the digital age impacting the role and the opportunities for women? It is, yeah,
1: and a lot more must be done. Um, We know that globalization and technology are two big drivers in terms of economies around the world, yeah? Yeah. You know, one of the big things is about skilling women with the digital skills they need in order to be able to compete in the digital world. I mean, it's no coincidence that, you know, there are a large number of e commerce businesses that are being successfully set up and run by women. Digital, we know it's not universal, right? The availability and the knowledge and technology is not universal. You know, having traveled across the African continent and in India, a woman with a mobile phone, which is a 4G, a smartphone, there's nothing stopping her in terms of, you know, how she manages her life and how she manages her business. Because inevitably, particularly in the informal sectors, Um, across the African continent and in India. You know, women do have to work and they do work while also running their homes very, very successfully. You know, we talk about institutionalizing luck and democratizing opportunities. They don't seem to go beyond the urban elite. And it's really important that governments, companies, organizations, private and public sectors begin to look at how they can really institutionalize that luck and democratize that opportunity. Why, you know, simple things like investing in training programs and platforms which really enable women to develop the necessary skills they need in order to leverage the technologies, yeah? I'm just thinking of a
0: couple of women here in the U.S. who happen to be personally in my life who both work remotely and what they needed was a laptop. To your point, one got training on the job for how to do her work. Uh, She went in relatively unskilled, but having the technology she had to provide the laptop, she can work from home. She doesn't need to have a car, which for some people is a, a significant barrier. One is a mom of a couple of now adult children, but she wanted to be available for her children so wanted to work from home. Again, with a laptop and a cell phone, as you say, both of these women have opportunities that that would not have been available to them had they needed to be in an office during a certain hours of the day. And it is as simple as a
1: laptop. But it's also as simple as, you know, the employers, if there is this thing, you know you're either a job creator or a job seeker, and women are creating jobs, right? Where women are seeking employment, yeah. I mean, it's also you know a simple thing about having you know flexible working hours or that the flexibility that enables women to be able to work from home, jungle the home as well as um as well as you know to to actually do some work which you know which um earns them income. It is, you know, yes, it is about providing the technology and providing the training. Is the access? I mean, I'll give you an an example of, you know, one of the entrepreneurs who applied to the program. There's a woman who's going to um do spice. You know, she was going to her business was spices, yeah. The, and she was from Cote d'Ivoire. She managed to complete the application, which was an online application. She got selected out of I don't know 150,000 applicants. Wow, and when I met her, you know, so she got selected, and I happened to be in Cote d'Ivoire in Abidjan, and she said, "Ma'am, um, you know, I got selected, which is fantastic, but you know, the the twelve week program is an online program, but I designed it in a way that you could download each module, and the idea was you apply the the you know the the, um the tasks in that module to setting up your business and she said but i don't have access to a computer and i don't know i'm going to be able to do this online so i said firstly it's not an online program but secondly i said but you did manage to fill out an application how did you do that she said i've got a friend to help me i said well then you need to go back to that friend and say help me go through the 12 week modules Three, six months later I met her again and she gave me her spices and I said, and I said, You have the option of either dropping out of the program or finding a solution. And she found the solution. Six months later I saw her again and she presented me with her spices. I said, My God, how did you do that? She said, I took your advice and I bought in a, a partner who knows all about technology. And now I've learned how to sell my spices on um, using technology platform. I mean, and that was a woman who can just about read and write, and there are many many other stories.
0: It's amazing to me that you are finding ways to enable to your point not the upper top few percent but the the broader range of the population who don't walk in with the same resources
1: exactly I mean, it is the bottom of the pyramid i mean there's you know, again, you know, we talk about, you know, policies and practices for gender balance, et cetera, yeah? But, you know, I mean, that was one of the exciting things about being at the ILA conference was that they were looking for solutions around leadership, but, you know, from the perspective of women across society, yeah? And women, rural women, semi-urban women. And illiterate women, women who work in the informal sectors, um, domestic workers who work in the service industries, yeah? I really feel as we, as women who are seeking to become leaders, I think it's really important we're not seeking to occupy the positions in these organizations, right? Um, But that we're seeking to change the mindsets and the cultures of these organizations, So they really do embrace what I call the bottom of the pyramid, which is the mass of the populations.
0: So Parminder, what are the challenges and opportunities unique to women in the world of business leadership today?
1: We can go on all the kind of institutional challenges, yeah, but I'd like to focus on the mindset challenges. Ah, okay. I think really... Um, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the, I never went to, I never learned leadership as a theoretical thing. I never went to school to learn about leadership. I didn't do an MBA or a master's or anything on leadership development. So, you know, I was petrified when I was invited by INA to come and speak on women in leadership. But it made me reflect and I really thought where the hell did these leadership qualities come from? And I think, you know, I mean, I use the words like, um, um, you know, it was that kind of this deliberate audacity, the enduring optimism, um, that really, as a child of an immigrant arriving in Britain at the age of 10, not speaking a word of English, having to find my own way in in this country, you know, and from a working class background without, you know, not a silver spoon in my mouth, no networks or anything, So I think the challenge for women is to make your own opportunity, to make your own luck, and to create those opportunities um, from the place of, you know, the passion and the purpose that you want to pursue. I think the biggest challenge is finding your passion and purpose. Everything has a passion and purpose. You know, the other day I employed three young girls of um, Polish origins, immigrants in the U.K., um, for deep cleaning of my house. I have never seen more dedicated, more inspired, more hardworking young women. I think there must be about 27, 28 year olds who work to help me deep clean my house um, in, you know, with, and with such love and such affection for their work. Yeah. So I think, you know, there is um, dignity in everything that we do. and And for me, it's really. And it's what I've taught my daughters that until and unless you find your passion and purpose, um, there'll always be the glass ceiling or the, you know, the, the concrete ceilings that, um, that, that you're going to be hitting your head against,. Yeah? And if you have that passion and purpose, then yes, you think, okay, this is what I want to do, But I can see a lot of barriers. Which are not just affecting my growth, but are they are affecting other women's growth. What can I do to alleviate that? Yeah? I mean, I certainly saw that in when I was, you know, as a film and television producer. You know, in nineteen ninety six I woke up and said, Oh my God, I think I hit the glass ceiling in this industry ten years after I joined it. Um but I you know, but I was I was infuriated by the fact that you know the British film and television industry was really not harnessing the talent of the black and Asian community in Britain to work on screen and behind the screen in this sector, and that led me to begin to see well, how can we bring how can we bring bring about a change in that? And so of passion for storytelling led to campaigning for getting greater representation, employment, the talent on screen and behind screen in Britain with the formation of the Cultural Diversity Network. So, I, you know, for me, it's really fundamental that, you, that women, you know, who are looking to become, you know, in, in, in leadership um, positions, but even it, if it, it's, you know, the only leadership, you know, you need to provide is self-leadership and self-direction, Yeah. Um, we must. We as women must stop looking to our fathers, our husbands, our brothers to provide us with leadership. We must provide ourselves with our own leadership.
0: I love the the descriptions of enduring optimism and audacity, along with passion and purpose. And I would say for me as well tenacity. And there are a lot of days life just seems hard. And I'm at the top of the pyramid. It seems hard. I can't imagine not knowing how I would feed my children.
1: Totally, and that's because you know leadership is a journey, right? It's not a destination. And you know, you know, and I know that we think, oh my god, I'm I'm climbing this hill, and when I get to the top, that will be it. And then you look up and you see there's another hill and there's another hill. And I, you know, and yes, you know, the first is feeding our children. And now that our children are grown up, you know, it, there's you know, there's always constant renewal and, and constantly facing new challenges. I think I think the women who live in comfort zones, I think the other is tenacity, but also constantly living and working out of your comfort zones. Yeah, which
0: seems at least for me to be most of my life. As you talk about climbing the hill Um, I, I never I did not grow up as an athletic young woman. And at some point in time, one of my closest friends was doing adventure travel. So hiking the Incan Trail and climbing Kilimanjaro and those things. And again, not very athletic as a young woman and probably still not. So you know, we're climbing, 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 and I was doing exactly that. Like we've got 3,000 feet to go. And I get to the top of something and, oh, my goodness, it's that much longer. Same with kayaking. we It looks like we're going a short distance. And four hours later, it still looks like we have as far to go. And it, it is interesting how we set our goals and define success so that we are able to have enough energy to, to stay the course when isn't it
1: seemed it's the Meditation on that journey, which is the most important thing, isn't it? Your own transformation as you're making that journey, whether you're climbing or whether you're kayaking and meditating very deeply on who are you, what are, what are you, where, what is your dest- destiny and, and destination? Mm-hmm. For me, it was that the hiking was a, a
0: big personal change. Again, overcoming. So being a kid that wouldn't even run the 300-yard dash in high school and then doing multi-day, in some cases quite rigorous travel, and developing the own my own internal strength to put one foot in front of the other just because failure would have been so humiliating. But knowing that I needed to build that ability to continue forward on days where I just wanted to quit. And that that inner skill really has served me well in my current roles.
1: But also what comes through from just listening to you, it's you, know, it's, you know, we're not fearful of hard work. We know what is hard work, yeah? We're not undisciplined. We are extremely disciplined. If we can run our homes and run our companies and, and then go and run organizations, that's an extraordinary, which is what we as women do, right? I think it's really important that we as women embrace failure. For me, failure is a fundamental right of every human being because it's only through failure that we learn, yeah? And a lot of women from a very young age are taught not to fail. Fail To fail is a bad thing, but it's really important to fail because without failing, we will we do not grow, right? And I think also that we hold the big picture um, and not... We're not siloed in our thinking, in our imagination, and and to allow our imagination to run wild. Can you give an example of where you've failed, and then the second half of that,
0: what do you imagine is possible now in your world?
1: Wow, where have I failed? Where do I start? I think, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, when you're making films, failure is a daily occurrence because and you know this, you know, you're pitching ideas, you know, you really want to make this film for television or for the big screen. And you're getting no, 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 no. And you think, oh my God, is there something wrong with my ideas? Um, So I, you know, for me, it was always like, okay, I've got 10 no's, 20 no's, 30 no's, but there'll be that one film, that one idea, um, which will be, you know, which will be the transformative moment. So, I guess I learned very early on when I, you know, began working in the film and television industry. um, Thankfully for me, it wasn't until I was in my 30s, I turned 30, then I moved into the industry. So I'd already had a career before that. It's a failure, but it is a failure because if, you know, those were accumulative news, I could have given up in, you know, within the first six months of joining this industry. And said, so, you know, one's ever going to back my idea. Crazy film. You know, I want to go off and make a film about Algerian women who fought in the Algerian revolution. Um, who is going to actually finance that? Yeah, who's going to support me to go and find those women who fought in the revolution 30 years ago and then to talk to them and uh, see what happened to them? But I know that, you know, that was one of probably, you know, a hundred ideas that I of films that I wanted to make before I got that one um, off the ground. So failure in, in that sense, yes, and in, in setting up a number of businesses um, with founding partners and knowing that it's, you know, it, they had run their course. so I learned, and it's a word that's obviously very much in our vocabulary as entrepreneurs, is pivoting. So that yeah. meant that they, they weren't failures that I was constantly having to pivot and say, and so that was on projects, but also in terms of one's own, you know, you know, professional career, yeah, you know. So I I worked in the arts and I went so far, and then I pivoted into film and television production, and then I like, pivoted into film and media financing. Always learning new skills um, and adding to my kind of knowledge um, bank um, in 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 order to be able to then take those. Take that knowledge into my next work so I think you know learning to pivot, I think that's what I I've, I've done but I think the other is you know particularly with you know I found myself in my late 50s, I turned 60 in Lagos Nigeria in fact, was really um, seizing the opportunities yeah so i believe believed that you know in my own professional career I've created the opportunities yeah I've seen a gap. And I've gone in there and created an opportunity where I know I can add value. I think probably because I wasn't looking for a job, yeah, but added yeah. to whatever I was doing, whether being an entrepreneur within an organization because I wanted the organization to change, or being an entrepreneur, you know, setting up my own various um, companies that I did. Um, so I think that. You know you know that yeah i don't know i mean that is fundamental um to be able to create your opportunities and to seize the opportunities and not to be afraid to learn new skills
0: you've talked a lot about pivoting and what got you here uh, you're now 60 and in some cases you are probably the crone or the wise woman what what is your next pivot and, and uh, what what makes that exciting to you?
1: The next pivot is reflection, is consolidation. Um, you know, having you know worked in the in the arts, then in the film and television industries, mm-hmm. and then in the last five years of falling in love absolutely with the African continent, seeing. Mm-hmm why Africa matters not just for Africans but for us across the world. Africa is the future. And if Africa succeeds, we all succeed. And if Africa fails, we all fail in, in globally, yeah? Um and you know, so I think I see I guess my next pivot or the next I mean iteration is really to to tell the Africans, you know, to work with African entrepreneurs, to work with African storytellers, to really change the perception of Africa um, in the outside world. It's a beautiful aspiration, and I
0: love the idea. Again, my commitment is elevating the quality of leadership across the globe by omitting an entire continent. We, Because we do now function as a global economy, it- it, it's like excluding half of the population and excluding women. We have to be more inclusive. Parameter, let's do a couple of statistics, and then I'm still fascinated by your story and how this pivot will make a
1: difference in the world. Well, let's look at statistics. I was avoiding sharing statistics. And, you know, obviously, you know, the World Bank, you know, all the, you know, the the five big sort of, you know, um, Organizations like PricewaterhouseCoopers and Accenture, etc. I mean, you know, there's endless reports that tell you, you know, it's not rocket science, guys, including women in everything makes sense, right? Um, You know, and, you know, I mean, here's one from the Harvard Business School, which shows that according to an analysis, it's like a thousand, thousands of 360 degree reviews. Women outscored men. Seventeen of the nineteen capabilities that differentiate excellent leaders from the average or the poor ones. Another one from Cooper World Work Index in 2018. Um, you know they've done a lot of you know a lot of research on gender balance, pay equity, discrimination, and hostile workplaces. They concluded. That achieving economic gender parity in line with, say, for example, you know, my you know, the amazing example is obviously Sweden, which has one of the highest female employment rates, could add US one point eight two trillion dollars to the GDP of the United States of your country, right? Five hundred million of that of that to to that of Japan. And another three hundred and ten billion dollars to that of Germany, and in my own country, the United Kingdom, you know, engaging women as part of the workforce, you know, they will add two hundred and fifty billion dollars um, to to the UK's GDP. You know, when professional women thrive, it's 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 absolutely fundamentally clear. So do businesses, organizations, and global economies.
0: Let's talk about some of the tools, skills, and information that women leaders need to be armed with in the current business culture.
1: I think certainly, you know, like going back most recently around the work I did with the Jimmy Lumino Foundation, it was, you know, obviously empowering 10,000 entrepreneurs. That was the commitment over the next 10 years from 2015. In fact, you know, we've already empowered 7,000 plus entrepreneurs. Um, because we also managed to get additional partners or partners to support additional entrepreneurs, we selected 1,000. I mean, one of the things, right in, in you know the start of the program, 24% of the applications that um, we received were from women business owners across 51 of the African, 54 African countries. And I made it my mission that um, within five years I would aim for a 50-50. And by 2019, um, that number had increased to 41%. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how was that achieved? It wasn't that one created a separate door marked women, you know, entrepreneurship program, but actually using, you know, the success stories of, of the women who had applied and had been selected, using them as the role models to say, you know what, entrepreneurs, on you know, women, look you know here are the women entrepreneurs and you too um could be an entrepreneur um because they're not that dissimilar to what you look like yeah young professional they're not you know not always uh you know coming from that kind of you know very diverse base of the african economies so i guess what i'm saying is you know that's an example of how you can empower women with the basic tools of 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 training, you know, skilling them is capacity building. Um, you know, with a structured approach to how you take go from an idea for a business to actually launching it through mentoring. And I think it's really important that women, wherever they are in in whatever you know levels of society they are, you know, we do not get where we get we've got to without our mentors. Yeah, and really to encourage more and more women to become mentors and not just constantly be looking to men to mentor women. And women must also begin to mentor other, um, other women. So, you know, training, mentoring, and then providing those women with a tiny seed capital of $5,000. Um, what blew my mind was that it's amazing what, you know, young African or African women entrepreneurs can do with the training, with the mentoring, and the $5,000. Um, and you know, with the right mindset in terms of going from an idea to a business, which is generating revenue, so it's putting food on the table and, and impacting their community, their family, and their communities, um, but also creating jobs and employing other women. Um, so I think that you know that's an example of how you can really make a you know make a, a fundamental shift in such a short time. And it's that, I mean, you know, and that's the success story that um, that the foundation is now riding on, that we didn't create a separate program for women, but we integrated the needs of women entrepreneurs into the program um, for entrepreneurship development.
0: I love the idea of the integration. I I run a program in my local community, and we've talked about it's a technology leadership development program, and we've talked about should we do women's programs and men's programs, and I am strongly of the view, and I know there are variations and, and circumstances that are different, but that if I create my own um, door for only women to go through then they're excluded from the power structure by the very choice of going through a women only program. And so I have a strong bias, not that it's appropriate for every situation, certainly, but that we do integrate women and men because especially as entrepreneurs, many of the challenges we're facing are similar. And I also like that you attract people to the program by building on the success of others. It's not by looking at the shortage of we only have forty one percent, but wow, we have forty-one percent. And how do we tell their stories, which is something you're brilliant at, to attract more people rather than focusing on the deficiencies?
1: And using women, you know, we you know, whenever we reach for examples of successful entrepreneurs, you know, Bill Gates, Sue Jobs, all these male, um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, these names roll off our tongue, yeah? Uh-huh. We need to get to a position where, you know, we women business leaders' names begin to roll off our tongues, right? Um, whether they are, you know, whether they are, you know, dynamic entrepreneurs, high-growth entrepreneurs, or really, you know, the big now multinational corporate entrepreneurs. They all started with an idea. They all started with a passion, yeah? And, you know, and we as women... Must in, in our own narrative, in our in our own storytelling, begin to highlight, celebrate, you know, women who are building extraordinary solutions. Because after all, that's what you are as an entrepreneur. You've seen a gap, or you've seen a problem, and you are feeling that. You are prov- you know, you're building a solution around that problem. Yeah. You know, one of the the other things you mentioned
0: is mentoring. I interviewed actually a woman. um, She's a CIO for a multi-billion dollar company. And she talked about her mentors being people she knows in person that she's worked with, male and female but also that she looks to people as mentors that she's never met. So someone could follow you on a podcast and they could consider you a mentor even though you don't hang out and have coffee in person.
1: I think that's fundamental. And that is, again, you know, you know, technology, what is it? It's an enabler, yeah? And I just think that if we can begin to use it as an, enab- an enabling tool, um, the greater uh, its impact to yeah? them. You know, certainly now there's not, you know, you don't, you know, when I built the data bank or the mentoring program as part of the mentor learning program at the foundation, I didn't limit the mentors to just the African continent. We have amazing mentors from the US, UK, Australia, China, mentoring African entrepreneurs on the continent. Yeah. And those, many of those mentors have begun, you know, I've developed very deep relationships with. Entrepreneurs and enterprises that they have never, that they haven't met, face to face. So no, for me, mentoring is 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 a fundamental pillar of um, professional development and, and, and personal growth as well. And the more we can institutionalize mentoring wherever we are, in whatever capacity, whether we're running our own businesses or whether we're working in a, in a corporate environment the more that we will grow the talents. You know, there's no shortage of talent, actually. There's the policies and the practices of organizations and that blind them um, to talent that is there um, and to harnessing that talent. You know, for me, in across in, in, the African continent, the Africa's biggest resource, its most precious resource is its human capital. And, and the challenge for be African leaders, whether they're political or whether they're business leaders, is to harness that human capital.
0: Do you have one recommendation as we're coming to the close of the show for how, so I'm in Ohio, how
1: would I contribute to the solution? You start local, yeah? I mean, you start locally because Ohio, you know, it's really interesting that I've been reading a lot about the loss, the sad loss of Toni Morrison, you know, she's born, she's from Ohio, yeah? She started small, she started writing from the place where she came from. Um, you know, she understood her local environment, she understood the local challenges, yeah? And so I think if you are in Ohio and you're a woman and and you're either looking to set up your own business or you're looking to go and add value and, 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 and really make an impact in an, in an existing organization, I think it is, goes back to find your passion and purpose. Develop a roadmap of how you're going to get from A to B to C. It's not like you're going to arrive overnight. It's a long, long, long-term journey, you know, and leadership is a long-term journey. It's not a, you know, and, and the important thing is that you live that, you make that journey with integrity. And integrity is that you go, you know, that you're constantly reminding yourself of why you are doing this. Yeah. Yes, it could be just because I need to earn some money, but, you know, just earning money in in itself is not enough of a motivator. I feel that too much in Western society. So I guess in all societies. I mean, I guess I, you and I have we've been very lucky in that you know our professional life and our personal life are very integrated, and because we know that we're passionate about you know, we shouldn't be working in the media and creative industries, or, <laughs> as you know, or changing the lives of hundreds of thousands of people as I've done working in, on the African continent. Um, but for a lot of people in this you know virtual factory, they're doing their job and then they they're coming home. I guess given the you know that we the world is changing and it is really technology driven. Um, it's the knowledge economy and we as women need to begin to build our knowledge banks. I love the idea
0: that we build our knowledge. We build it through you've talked about training and mentoring and structured approaches and changing our mindsets and developing a roadmap to the aspiring women leaders. Always stay focused on the why, which you just mentioned, and not on the what of the chosen field. When you lose sight of the why and your passion, for what you're doing, what you're doing will be diminished, and it's impossible to inspire and lead from a point of diminished. And what I've heard from you through this entire conversation is your passion and your commitment to what you do and what you're going to do going forward in, on the continent of Africa. So for our listeners, always remembering the why, because it's in the light of that that your energy will guide the activities and make possible what seems impossible. That life is a journey, leadership is a journey, and it is important to make sure that we live that journey with integrity. So Parminder, where, how would people find you? Just give us the
1: 10-second email address or the foundation website. You can find me on my website, www.parminder.com. And I'm using my website, I guess as a you know a platform for telling stories, for around entrepreneurship, sharing my passion around films, talking about films, talking about sharing the amazing books that I've read which have influenced me and and guided me, um my passion for art and culture, which you can follow um, and read on the website or the web blog, as I call it. Thank you so much.
0: And to our listeners, thank you for joining us please do reach out to Parminder and follow her web log. We hope that you will join us again soon to learn more about innovating how you lead.